This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of lumbrical plus finger from the hand section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Lumbrical plus finger is characterized by paradoxical extension of the IP joints while attempting to flex the fingers. Diagnosis is made clinically with extension of the IP joints of one digit with attempted flexion of all fingers, like making a fist. Treatment is observation if the patient is minimally symptomatic. Operative tenodesis of the FDP to the terminal tendon or lumbrical release is indicated if symptoms affect the patient's activity demands. Now, let's get into the episode. Starting with epidemiology, in terms of anatomic location, it is most common in the middle finger or the second lumbrical. Keep in mind that the FDP for the third, fourth, and fifth fingers share a common muscle belly. Remember that you cannot independently flex two digits without pulling on the third. The index finger has an independent FDP belly, so when making a fist following an FDP2 transection, it is possible to only contract the FDS2 and not the FDP2, thus avoiding paradoxical extension. As far as the pathophysiology of lumbrical plus finger, the mechanism involves FDP disruption distal to the origin of the lumbricals, which is the most common. This can be due to FDP transection or FDP avulsion. Other mechanisms of injury which may lead to lumbrical plus finger include DIP amputation, amputation through the middle phalanx shaft, and too long of a tendon graft. As far as the pathoanatomy of lumbrical plus finger, remember that the lumbricals originate from the FDP. With FDP laceration, FDP contraction leads to pull on the lumbricals. Lumbricals pull on the lateral bands leading to PIP and DIP extension of the involved digit. With the middle finger, when the FDP is cut distally, the FDP shifts ulnarly because of the pull of the third lumbrical origin. Remember that the third lumbrical is bipennant. This leads to tightening of the middle finger lumbrical, or the second lumbrical, which is unipennant, and amplifies the quote-unquote lumbrical plus effect. Now, let's go over some relevant anatomy. The first and second lumbricals are unipennant, innervated by the median nerve, and originate from the radial side of FDP2 and FDP3, respectively. The third and fourth lumbricals are bipennant and are innervated by the ulnar nerve. The third lumbrical originates from FDP3 and 4, and the fourth lumbrical originates from FDP4 and 5. All the lumbricals insert on the radial side of the extensor expansion. As far as the presentation of lumbrical plus finger, Patients may provide a history of recent volar digital laceration or FDP transection or sudden axial traction on a flex digit, otherwise known as an FDP avulsion. As far as symptoms, patients may notice that when attempting to grip an object or form a fist, the first digit sticks out or gets caught on their clothes. On physical exam, you will see paradoxical IP extension with grip. For example, fingers extend while holding a beer can. Treatment of a lumbrical plus finger is typically operative, and options include tenodesis of the FDP to the terminal tendon or reinsertion to the distal phalanx, and another option is lumbrical release. Tenodesis of the FDP to the terminal tendon or reinsertion to the distal phalanx is indicated for FDP lacerations. Remember that you do not suture flexor extensor mechanisms over the bone. As far as a lumbrical release, this is indicated if the FDP is retracted or there is segmental loss, making it impossible to fix. A lumbrical release is not done in the acute setting as it does not occur consistently enough to warrant routine lumbrical sectioning acutely. As far as contraindications to lumbrical release, do not transect lumbricals 1 and 2 if there is concomitant ulnar nerve palsy. 
with ulnar nerve paralysis, the interosseous muscles are also lost. Remember that the interosseous muscles extend the IP joints. As far as the technique for a lumbrical release, be sure to transect at the base of the flexor sheath in the palm. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one quick question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. What is a potential complication of an amputation at the level of the distal interphalangeal joint? And the choices are one, central slip rupture, two, swan neck deformity, three, boutonniere deformity, four, lumbrical plus finger, and five, quadrigia effect. The correct answer to this question is four, lumbrical plus finger. So a lumbrical plus finger is described as paradoxical extension of the IP joints while attempting to flex the fingers. In the case of a lumbrical plus finger secondary to a DIP amputation, the PIP will extend upon attempted finger flexion. The review article by Parks describes how the lumbricals originate from the FTP. When the FTP is lacerated or amputated, FTP contraction leads to pull on the lumbricals. This leads to shortening of the lateral bands and paradox called PIP and DIP extension. There are several causes of lumbrical plus finger, including one, FTP laceration or rupture distal to the lumbrical origin, two, amputation of the DIP distal to the central slip insertion, and three, excessively long flexor tendon graft. Treatment consists of lumbrical release at the level of the flexor sheath in the palm, which then prevents paradoxical PIP extension. Quadrigia may occur when the profundus is advanced of greater than one centimeter in repair. The FTP tendons share a common muscle belly, and distal advancement of one tendon will affect the flexion strength of the adjacent digits. That's all for this review about lumbrical plus finger. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast. <laughs>